Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty. Welcome to Week 1. My name is Heath Cummings. I am your host, and I could not be more excited. We are making a transition in the Dynasty space. It's time for guys to start scoring points, and we're going to have to react accordingly. I've got John Bosch here with me back on the show. Dan Schneier, back from an extended absence himself. We are going to talk about Dynasty deep dives. We've got some deep waiver wire guys who may not matter, but... You know, you're filling out the backside of the roster. You added some guys into your practice squad spot. You got an extra roster spot. Here's who you should go pick up. We're also going to talk about trading some running backs because this is the time of year to get that done. It's time to start scoring points. John, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'll, I'll say we're about a month away from when you need to add running backs. <laughs> it's still too early. It's still too early. I, I was Never. expecting that from you, and I, I think like – there, there's a happy medium in between your kind of extreme take and the other people who are trading for Aaron Jones in June. And so we're, we're going to try to meet those people in the middle. Dan, you had, it sounds like, from what I understand, the best three hours of your summer last night. I did. I enjoyed them so much. I did a Dynasty startup auction Superflex best ball draft which was honestly the best draft I've had this summer, as Heath mentioned. I just think there's nothing like it. It's so unpredictable. Even if you do the salary cap format for redraft, you kind of can predict what's going to happen to some extent. There are some unpredictable moments, but in Dynasty, man, there's just, it's crazy to see some of the values after the draft looking back. Some that I'm shaking my head at, like, why didn't I jump in on? And others where I'm like, wow, that guy really went for that much. There was a Quinton Johnston bidding war that went insane. So it was just a great time all around. Well, we're going to find out how how much you enjoyed your draft because at the end of the show, John and I are going to grade your draft. It may, <laughs> may turn out that you didn't enjoy it very much at all. <laughs> Could have been a terrible time. We've got three questions for John Bosch, and we're going to start off on theme for the show. And I realize this is a loaded question. When I say, who is your favorite deep dynasty ad? Inevitably, whoever you say, someone's going to say, He's rostered in my league, and somebody else is going to say there's 30 guys better on the waiver wire than him. So interpret this how you will. Who is your favorite deep dynasty yet? So I, I went through a lot of my waiver wires. That the league that you and I are in, Heath, obviously there's nobody in it because it's super deep. It's like 30, 30 person rosters or something like that. Um, but I went with ones that were like 25. Yeah. And I looked at several waiver wires and I thought, who do I want to put in? I love that you asked me this question because it made me go and actually you know, submit waivers. They run tomorrow, which I would have forgotten about. And I would have gotten the email that said waivers ran. And I went, oh, dang it. I missed that. All right. So Richie James was actually available in multiple leagues. Um, you know, he's still on a good, great offense, good quarterback, obviously. Lots of possible options where he could turn out. He could be nothing. I could cut him in three weeks. It doesn't matter. Uh, he was on the waiver wire. Seems like a, a good dart throw. So I submitted for him in, in several leagues. I, I like that. And Dan has a, a affection for Richie James, one of many former Giants now on the Chiefs. Um, I One thing I will say for sure about Richie James, if you are in a league that rewards points for return yards, he should be 100% rostered and he maybe should be started. He's going to return both punts and kickoffs for the Chiefs at the start of the year. Dan, you think that James can carve out a role in this offense? How many injuries does he need before he's a starter? 
Starter for the Chiefs feels like such a loaded question, Heath. And I know you know this more than better than anyone. I feel like they are the kings of just sub packages on offense where they're just using different receivers and different roles and they're going to get guys in. And there's not going to really outside of Sky Moore. I don't and I'm not even sure I feel confident that anyone is going to be the starter there. But as far as James goes, what does he offer to the Chiefs offense? His skill set to me meshes perfectly with the Andy Reid system and with Patrick Mahomes and what we saw last year them have success with. He is the king, at least for the Giants, of operating in that underneath role where he creates immediate separation. He doesn't have a good long speed. He's not a huge jumper. He's not the most athletic guy, but he has really good. He he gets in and out of his breaks really well on the short plane. So I think his skill set meshes well. It's kind of a playing time issue, and it's uncertain there. But I do like the fact that you just mentioned if you are playing in return leagues, he's like a sneaky value there because he's going to be returning both kicks and punts. And I do think he can get somewhat involved in the offense. I, I think he is the perfect safeguard against a Sky Moore flameout. Like we've talked about it with Sky Moore. It's really unusual for a guy to be as bad as he was without a major injury as a rookie and then make a big step forward in his second year. We're open to that possibility because Patrick Mahomes keeps raving about him because he plays with Patrick Mahomes and because he was in an Andy Reid offense as a rookie as an inexperienced wide receiver. So I, I'm fully open to the breakout from Sky Moore, but I do think that Richie James, you look at what Juju did last year. I think James can do all of those things except block. Um, Juju, a fantastic blocker. And so that might keep James from being on the field quite as much as Juju was. But I do think in the passing game, he can fill most of that role if Sky Moore can't. We got to take go a different direction here. I do have two more questions for you, John. But I noticed that the Fantasy Cares YouTube account is in the chat trolling you, which is fantastic. Tell yes. us what's going on at Fantasy Cares right now. Oh, well, right now we are ready for the season, thankfully. Yes. Uh, we do have some things coming out. I don't know that they've been completely announced yet, but uh, we do do we do have some like uh, giveaways and things that we have we have coming out. So I will say just make sure you're following at Fantasy Cares Org on Twitter and the Fantasy Cares YouTube channel. That is where a lot of the stuff will be coming from. So if you're watching this on YouTube, seek up Fantasy Cares and go hit that subscribe button. Awesome. Awesome. Now, how did your philosophy change, John, now that uh, now that we have reached point scoring season? A lot of it is based on your next question. So I'll, I'll kind of I'll kind of not answer it totally, but I want to score points. Obviously, uh, at this point now, I, I really do. I shift hard to redraft. I will overpay. I will give up future picks. I know I joke that we're still a month away from running back season <laughs> and we are, uh, but I will spend the, the next few weeks is when I actually do probably over invest in running back. It's the price I pay for not having rostered them all summer, which I'm okay with. I understand the trade-off. They're going to be more expensive for me now, but also, Hey, in a few weeks, there's going to be teams that maybe they start out. zero and three, they weren't expecting to start out. zero and three, they're still sitting there with Derrick Henry or Aaron Jones, somebody like that, that they need to uh, get some value out of. I'll be there to get the value from them. So that, like, you know, I can give you the pick. You can give me the player. That's really where that's the biggest change for me is now I will start to look at the running back position. I do wait yeah. till now. I really do. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I believe you too. I, I'm, I'm in leagues with you. So I, I know how this works. I'm, I'm going to come to you as a follow up on the next one, but I want to get to John's on this one because I think it's connected here. Um, John, should teams, because we've, we've had some pushback on this over the last couple of weeks from different analysts having pretty polar opposite beliefs on this next question. Should teams know right now whether they are a contender or not? I've, I've emphasized pretty heavily in my writing and on this show, and I think Dan kind of feels the same, that like I want to be contending or I want to be rebuilding, and I don't want to be in the middle unless it's a really young team that just hasn't quite got there yet. But for the most part, I think teams should be one or the other. Now, I've heard from a couple, Sigmund Bloom, Jacob Gibbs, both, saying, you know, you don't know what's going to happen the first month of the season. Don't go selling your team off until you see if you're in it or not. Which which end of those do you do you lean towards, John? So there there is a happy medium, but one of my favorite exercises that I do with every single one of my dynasty rosters is I go through and I change the team name. At the end, I either put a Y, an N, or an M. A Y means, yes, I think I'm contending. An N literally says, no, I'm not contending. And an M means... I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay. And that's, it makes it easy for me when I get a trade offer. I know exactly what 
before I even look at the state of the team, because I might have a few too many leagues. Uh, so before I even look at the state of the team, I know what my general thought process was just because the team name says Y, N, or M. But it also helps me identify what I want to do with those teams. If it's a yes already, yes, I should know I'm contending. If it's a no, I should know I'm not contending. Like those are really clear. There are going to be teams that are in the middle that you can't force yourself to go one way or the other. By now, you probably already should have chosen that path. But if you haven't chosen it yet, you kind of just give it a couple of weeks. You find out what your team's going to be. Maybe you have a surprise guy or two on your team that overperforms over the next few weeks. And you can either get value out of that and really get to that, no, I'm not contending spot, but get value as you get there. Or maybe you decide, hey, maybe the year has chosen me. That does happen in fantasy football. You don't always choose the year. Sometimes it chooses you and you got to run with that. It does happen every time, every once in a while. And it's it's really, really nice when you get a, when one of my maybes turns into a yes. And I'm like, oh, okay, I wasn't really expecting that. But now that it's happening, I'm going to go for it. Dan, I feel like you're kind of closer to me on this one where you do kind of want to know one way or the other, right? I like to know one way or the other, but I do honestly feel like I'm changing my thoughts on this a little bit, just given recent uh, dynasty leagues I've been in. There was a league I was in last year where a friend of mine had finished last the season before and then won the league last year and just you, just unexpected things. Now, I would say this. If you are in a best ball format dynasty, which is becoming more and more popular, that's the ones. those are the ones that I like to play then I think you should be more along the lines of what John was saying. I think in best ball, there is more variance involved. And also that that was kind of the, the, the example I was referring to. I saw it happen there in these season long leagues where you're, you're, you're starting lineups every week. At that point, if you don't have a deep roster, you can kind of know where you need, you need to sell. Like for, for me, for example, in YOLO, I'm in a very interesting spot because I have Bijan. He's made me an offer, one that I wasn't too thrilled about, if I'm going to be honest, Heath. I think that what you offered should have been just for Bijan, not for DJ Moore too. But I'm just going to, for now, put that put that to the side. We'll discuss that at a later date. But in those leagues, I feel like you kind of have a more defined look at your team and you know that it's going to be really difficult for you to get over that hump because you don't have those guys on your bench going off for big weeks like a best ball format. But I will say this, that's interesting. It goes back to question two you had for John Heath. We had John on, and I was lucky enough to be on that show about a month ago or whenever that was, a month or two ago. And it has actually really changed my thought process on Dynasty because John made me look at it in a different way. I had been looking at Dynasty as such a long-term thing, and I like the way that he framed it as looking at it more of like a two-year, look at more of like a two-year window with these players because I do think a lot of the times I got caught up thinking like younger players that I have in my roster, I was look, staring at their age and being like, these are such valuable assets to my team, but they, they haven't made their mark yet at the NFL on the you know at the NFL level. If it's year two or three or four for them, it's almost like you're over you overrate the asset in some ways based on the age versus players that are older that have already been established that are already still consistently scoring fantasy points that to me almost have more value after looking at this a second way. So I've really changed my thought process too on like these younger players that I used to like Terrace Marshall is a good example. I traded for him in YOLO right when I got into the league and I'm like, this guy's young. I loved him coming out of the draft. This is a good talent. And now I look at it like, well, is this even like a uh, rosterable player at this point? Like, you know, like, and I could have had other, you know, there's other older veterans who are still producing that I passed up on for players like that. I'm sorry that I didn't have five first round picks that I could have offered you, Dan. I know the four, <laughs> for, the four first round picks were but insulting your first round for sure. Are going to be the last. We, we have no idea. I've won like three games over the last two seasons. We have no idea. how. I think right now. people do get in trouble both directions on that, assuming where draft picks are going to be before the season has started. Yes, mine will probably be in the back half of the first round, but we know very little about where they will exist within that. John, I have one more. This is more selfish. But also, it's kind of a commissioner question, and you're one of the best guys I know of to answer these. Taxi squads, practice squads. Um, yeah, I think you and I have a similar rule generally that you put someone in the taxi or practice squad. Once they come out, you can't refill that spot. They can't go back. That's just going to sit open until the end of the year. When should that lock in? Because I, I have leagues, including one of yours, where we have the rookie draft in April. And we have some rocks roster restrictions between then and September, but people are making waiver additions now at the beginning of September and maybe adding some rookies that we're going to talk about next in the dynasty deep dives. Do you lock those right after the rookie draft and make people put those into those slots? Or do you kind of leave those open for the summer and then lock them when rosters lock at the week one? 
So most of my leagues don't have off-season waivers uh, because those are a pain to me. Um, So usually I, I, at this point now, I kind of leave the taxi squad open in most of my leagues over the summer. And then as when waivers begin, which in pretty much all of my leagues is tomorrow, (laughs) they will begin. That's the point where taxis lock. Like I think that's perfect. You can't, you can't basically, I don't want you pulling 10 guys off the waiver wire and just load them on your taxi. If you drafted right. them, if you traded for them over the summer, you did something to kind of invest in them, fine. Put them on your taxi squad. That is a good spot to have rookies that you're probably going to end up cutting a lot of them next year. Uh, or maybe you're hiding studs because you were going to hide points. I get that as well. Um, but I don't want just every single rookie off of the waiver wire to be picked up and just wasting wasting energy being put on the right. taxi squad essentially. So that's kind of how I run mine. It seems to work out pretty well. People, people put theirs on the taxi squad that they draft, that they invest in. And that, you know, those are the guys that you want to be able to watch and see what happens and be there to move up, but not necessarily take a, a spot off your active roster. If you don't really think they're going to do much. I've been trying to decide in, in the league that John and I share, if I'm hiding points with my rookies or not. And that was where the question came from. Like I, I might, I might, I'm gonna, I know I'm ascending. I might sneak into the sixth seat if everything goes perfect or do I just want to hide them all and have another first round pick? Probably just take another first overall pick. Dan, let's get to the news and notes. Cooper cup. Not expected to play in week one. Still a bit of mystery around this injury. Supposed to get some more information on Wednesday. If you're a contender, first off, we'll take it from this angle. You're a contender with Cooper Cup. Are you getting nervous enough to where you might sell low just to make sure you can get out before more bad news comes and just try to get some guys who are going to score points this year? It's an interesting question because I also have factored in with me for Cooper Cup's dynasty value. I've always factored in when is Matthew Stafford going to call it quits? Because Mm -hmm. when Stafford calls it quits, which could literally be as soon as next season, in my opinion, given his injury history and age and where that roster is trending, that drops off my thought and my value on Cup big time. Because I think a big reason he's so successful is their rapport. Yes, part of it is McVay has found ways to scheme him open, but I'm not so sure that's going to happen with whoever they can get in at quarterback after this season, whether that be Bennett or if, if he's not good enough, they bring in someone else. So I don't mind the idea of selling him if you're a contender and trying to see if you can get back like an older veteran type receiver who can produce right now but is viewed in a similar way because I think Cup is now 30 if I'm not mistaken entering his age 31 season so I don't mind the idea but I think if you're in the contender spot you got to get back some kind of like older veteran type like a DeAndre Hopkins or something like that. John on the flip side of this equation I'm seeing a little bit of steam for Van Jefferson a little bit of hype for Puka Nakua um, do, do you have any hope for these guys or should we just be selling as quick as we can for a round, for a second round pick to get off of them before it just crashes? Yeah. If I get a second round pick for any wide receiver on the Rams, not named Cooper cup, I will take the second round pick in a heartbeat. I mean, that's, that's going to be more than I invested. Van Jefferson was probably off the waiver wire. Puka Nakua was probably a third or a fourth round right. draft pick. Right. As much as I would love to have that hit the second round pick is like a guaranteed value again, low odds of the second round pick even hitting, but we're working our, the way I play, I I try and just work my value up, up, up. And I know that that second round pick is going to have value that I can then use to trade with somebody else and maybe get a first where my hit rate is going to be higher. Or I can use that second round pick for a, a guy that is really at the end of his roster but I need for my starting lineup um, or, you know, end of his career. And I just need a starting lineup spot. So, right. you know, I would love to have Puka Nakua and hit, but like the, what's the the best outcome is that he's going to be worth a second. It's, it's really, really rare that a guy from a third or fourth round draft pick rookie draft pick rises up to be worth a first. So I'd cash out in a heartbeat. I am extremely nervous about Cooper Cup, by the way. Yes. <laughs> as, somebody, as somebody that rosters him a lot and added him even more in the offseason, thinking it's just going to be Stafford throwing to him 100 times a game. It's going to be great. Uh, I, am, I am very nervous about him. <laughs> I need him yeah. back. I, I, I'm pretty concerned. I'm, I'm thinking about selling low. I've got him in, in a couple of places, both certainly win now teams. Joe Burrow is expected to play week one. Not much to say about that. The Colts announcing they will use running back by committee 
without Jonathan Taylor. We're hoping Zach Moss gets back for week one, but if he doesn't, it's probably Deion Jackson and Evan Hole. Dan, are we thinking the same thing with these Colts running backs that we are with the Rams wide receivers? Like if you can find somebody desperate enough to give you something for them, go sell them quickly. I think so with the exception of, and I'm just going to go back to like my own pre-draft evaluations of the film. I watched. I did really like Evan Hull's film. I'll be honest at Northwestern. And I just, what I liked the most about it is that it was such a complete game. He was good in pass production. He was good at leaking out of the backfield and looking like a natural receiver. These are all traits that keep you on an NFL field, but overall, I don't know that he has the profile of someone that you need to definitely keep. And if you can get value for him, you get value for him. But I think definitely with the other two Moss and Deion Jackson, you get rid of those guys for whatever you can get back from a pick standpoint. John, now th this is the type of situation. I think like I've got, we've talked about this team a million times and it's the team where I keep trying to steal Bijan Robinson from Dan and he won't give him to me, but I've got Garrett Wilson, Devonte Smith, Drake, London, Mark Andrews, Patrick Mahomes, Jordan Addison, like, and one and a half running backs on the team. And so these are the types of guys. That sounds like guys. a great roster, by the way. Like, right, right. To me, but that's I, a dream. For me, I'm I'm not waiting a month to add running backs. I'd like to go get some running backs pretty quick. Yeah. And so the question is, from the contender's perspective, if you've kind of used the John Bosch model and, and you don't have a lot of running backs, if one of these guys emerges, and let's say Taylor finally gets dealt, are you tr trying to throw like a third round pick at one of these guys to add them as a starter? Are, th are these the types of guys you target or are you going more after let's find an old starter? These are definitely the guys I, I try to target. I mean, ideally right now I'd be going for like James Conner. <laughs> um, yeah. Trying to get him and seeing if I can steal him away for a second. That's fine. Like he's going to be usable, startable, fine. These guys right now, I'll give a third for any of them. I'll give a yeah. couple of thirds. I'll give a third and a fourth. Like, you know, you've got Deion Jackson. You're going to cut him. Give him to me. I'll give you a couple of thirds. They're, they're dark throws. You can have dark throws. Uh, you know, Zach Moss, he, you probably you probably did pick him up when he got cut by the Bills. Was it, um, you know, like. Right. So just if I can put them on my roster now, yes. That is exactly how I attack the running back position in the first few weeks. Maybe I get lucky. And I find the guy that is going to be productive enough. And it costs me almost nothing. If I can't do it now, and one of them does emerge, sadly, that is what I mean by I will overpay. I will right. offer a second. I want a third back maybe, but like, hey, I'll give you, if Zach Moss comes in and he's the guy, and by the guy, I mean like maybe he's producing 10 fantasy points a game. <laughs> it's probably, it's not going to be a lot, but it's going to be a startable running back number. You know, hey, I'll give you my second for Zach Moss and your third. Like, I, it, it's it's unfortunate, but if I've seen it for a few weeks, a few weeks is enough. That's a quarter of the season almost. Like, you're looking at 20 to 25% of the regular season, depending on how long your fantasy regular season is. That's a pretty significant amount. So you really can't wait too long. Right. So once I, once I see it, I, I'll gamble on it. Now, granted, if, like, Taylor comes back and takes over, but I have really low – low expectations of Taylor playing a lot for the Colts this year. I, I do too. Speaking of really low expectations, one more news item here, Dan, the Cardinals have not named their starting quarterback yet. Still looking for that competitive advantage. Now I will say, nobody will figure it out. I'm going to stay on this soapbox. Like they named Kyler Murray, one of their captains. I simply do not believe that in eight weeks, Kyler Murray's going to be healthy and he's just going to sit out the rest of the year because they're tanking. That's hogwash. And so I do think that because people believe that because his value has been so depressed, he's a pretty good trade target for a team that thinks they might need a quarterback push in the second half. But let's stick with the guys who could be starting week one, Josh Dobbs, Clayton Toon. I'm hoping it's Toon. I can convince, I could trick myself into believing that Clayton Toon might surprise us and give us a Davis Mills or Gardner Minshew uh, stretch um, as a as a low end rookie quarterback. Do you have any hope for either one of these guys, or are you just doing more damage to yourself by starting them even in Superflex? From a fantasy standpoint, I can't say I have too much hope, Heath. I will say this: Clayton Toon. I've watched a good amount of him at Houston because of Tank Dell. Uh, a, a receiver who I really took a lot of time scouting and he's not a bad prospect. He's an interesting prospect. He has good, he has good enough arm talent. I would say it's more in like the um, let's say Daniel Jones, Kirk cousins, Ryan Tannehill range of arm talent. And he's a surprising athlete as well. Kind of like them as an athlete, but 
I don't think that his timing is is at their level, or at least where it was, especially Kirk Cousins. And that's going to kill him in the passing game. He's going to be late on a lot of throws. And I just think we're going to see a lot of punts from that team. And obviously, as we know, they're going to go through their running game. So it is a limited uh, play from that standpoint. It's going to be a very, very run heavy offense. But I think you can convince yourself that he's someone worth stashing at the very least um, right. for the most dire, dire of situations. That was a high ceiling. Yeah. That, that you, he is someone who potentially you might want to have stashed at some point. I, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. Before we do, though, we've talked about early in this show how this is the time when Dynasty and Redraft kind of come together. And to that end, my full projections for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end will be available on Sportsline this season. You can get a subscription to Sportsline for just $1 for the first month if you use the promo code HEATH. H-E-A-T-H. Surely you know how to not spell that by now. This has not just fantasy point projections, but there's yard, touchdown, rush attempt, reception, target. So you can actually copy and paste these into a spreadsheet of your own if you have one of those weird scoring systems and still use them to project for your league. So yeah, go to sportsline.com. Look for my full projections, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, all in the same article. That'll be there every Tuesday, and it will update when I update. We'll be back after this break. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It is time, John, Dan, for Dynasty Deep Dives. John and I were trying to estimate how many of these guys are actually going to matter. That's the nature of looking for guys to talk about when it comes to a dynasty waiver wire. Like that's kind of the point of you need to build a great team. It's not like NFL teams find guys on the waiver wire all the time that end up helping them. They do sometimes. That's what we're going to try to help you do here. The first section, I've kind of broken them into three sections, is a, is a little bit of a teammate battle. Um, most of them at the same position, but a couple of them maybe not. Uh, for the New England Patriots, we, we know Juju's probably the wide receiver one for as long as his knee holds up. Devontae Parker looks like the wide receiver two. Kendrick Bourne is going to catch like four passes for 112 yards and three touchdowns for the entire season. The most efficient, <laughs> low-volume wide receiver ever. But we got a couple other guys, Kayshawn Boot and Demario Douglas, who both have done some interesting things in the preseason. I'll start with you, Dan. Which one of these guys are you most interested in rostering? Definitely most interested in rostering boot. I would say that it's a bet on talent. He has at times flashed what I think was first round borderline first round, second round talent at during his career at LSU. He obviously has had those off field concerns that have followed him, but you know, if he's making progress within the Patriots system, that tells me a lot about where his head's at and how, you know, committed he is to becoming an, a starting NFL wide receiver. So the talent is there with him. I think he's explosive after the catch. That's where he wins at his best post catch. So I'm just going to bet on the talent here and what I saw. I didn't see too much of Douglas's tape, but I just don't feel like he's at that same level from a natural talent standpoint. I'm going to, I'm going to agree. Uh, not the, not to mention, you know, he was a Debbie darling. <laughs> so was. for those that, those that play Debbie in college fantasy football, like his, his name is already in the minds of people. If he does anything productive during an actual NFL game, that's a name that people will remember and that value will have just a little bit more impact. It's going to be easier to trade him because somebody already knew his name. He's not just some guy that comes in. Let's say Douglas and, and Kayshawn Boot have the same exact uh, stat line. I, 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 I'm just stopping. You guys can't follow me on pronunciations, oh, was, pronunciations yeah. of names. Like if I say it wrong, I, I want to say Boutte. Just, so just, I just say it say too, but I thought he like bought you were, down and it is. You want to say okay. Boutte? You want to say Boutte? Like I'm getting killed in the chat. This is going to happen it, it numerous times Boutte, this year. Get used to it. Boutte. Just don't follow me. <laughs> but if they have identical stat lines, everyone is going to be more impressed with Keishon Boutte, just because they've already known his name. The expectations have been there a little bit for him. Not high, 
Again, this is dynasty deep dives, guys off the waiver wires. Guys you could probably get for a fourth round pick right now. And maybe they increase to a third, but that's how you work it up, you know, or maybe they become a throw in in a trade. That's how I look at basically everybody on this list. How can, how can their name become something that somebody else in my league wants? So that when I send that trade offer with their name on it, it makes them think a little bit. And I think Butte's already got a little bit of that to his name. So he's the higher upside for me here. All right. And it's easier to see that, I think, with running backs. So we'll go to a pair of running backs who have and another name that I used to mispronounce all the time, Savan Ahmed. Um, and this Dolphins running back situation, like all summer long, these guys are dodging landmines. <laughs> Is it going to be Dalvin Cook? No. Like, are they going to draft somebody really important? No. And and finally, we get to, well, it's just Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert. And then we remembered the biggest landmine of all for both of those guys, a complete inability to stay healthy. Wilson now on IR. Mostert now the starting running back. Miles Gaskin is gone. And so it's really hard. Devon A. Chain is also injured, hopeful to be ready for week one, but I have a really hard time after missing the last two weeks that he's going to have a huge role early in the season. I think one of these other backs in the Dolphins backfield has a chance to matter at some point in the first month of the season. They've got Savan Ahmed. They've got Chris Brooks. Are you interested in rostering either one of these, John? So I, I think Ahmed is probably already still on some of my rosters from the last time that like he was, he, he came from, he's one of those guys that he did come from nowhere and he just was startable for like a few weeks. Um, so because he has that history, I'm going to go ahead and hope that history, hopefully it doesn't repeat itself. <laughs> and and right. the a chain, a, a chain like comes in and takes over the job healthy or most produces. Hopefully we get a little clarity in a week or two. But until we have that clarity, it's going to be Ahmed. And with injuries in front of him, that's where he succeeded before. So he's done it before. Why not think that he could do it again? It, you know, it seems like a, a fairly open pathway with the likely with the guys in front of him that are end up being injured frequently, it seems. You know anything at all about Brooks, Dan? A little bit. I saw a few of his, uh, you know, a few clips of him from BYU, but I, I think um, uh, Ahmed, I should say, is is the play here for sure. Yeah, and and I do think, like I said, it would not. I hope Raheem Mostert stays healthy, but for a guy who's been unable to stay healthy his whole life, and now at 31, 32 years old, it seems really unlikely. It's possible that we're talking about one of these guys as mattering week two, not not later in the year, but almost immediately. But I, I'd lean with you guys. Um, We've got injuries in the Green Bay receiving core as well. And so they've got a couple of youngsters, a couple of rookies that are currently on the second team. But with Romeo Dobbs, questionable for week one. With Christian Watson's injury history, it's not hard to squint and see a path forward. So Malik Heath, Dontavian Wicks, other than the advantage that Heath obviously has because of his name, Dan, which of these guys do you prefer to roster? I prefer Dontavian Wicks. I went back and watched his um, big 47-yard catch from the preseason from Sean Clifford, and I really did like the way that he got in and out of his break. I also liked that his post-catch acceleration there, and I was thinking about watch uh, a little bit of what I saw from him at Virginia, and I just think back to just the history of this franchise, the Green Bay Packers, when it comes to late-round receivers and these guys that people do not expect much out of. And similar to the Steelers, they seem to get so much value out of them. They seem to have a really good process for scouting that position. And that's something that I look at because there are examples across the NFL of teams that do a really good, good job of scouting a specific position. And I think for the Packers and Steelers, wide receiver is that position. So I definitely have a lot of interest in Wicks. I think he's someone who I've who I claimed in at least two of my leagues uh, recently. So I would definitely take Wicks over Heath. I'd also take Wicks. Um, I would say that I will take either of the Patriots receivers above either of the Packers receivers, though, for now. That's fair. Yeah, I, th I think that that probably makes sense. Like it's, it's hard for me to get super excited about either one of those quarterbacks in terms of, it's just a, it's a, which one of the paths open up quicker and Juju and Devonte Parker older with more extensive injury history. So I, I think that makes sense to target the Patriots first. Let's go to the Seahawks here. And we've got another mixed position 
Uh, Jake Bobo, apparently the only receiver in the NFL who runs a 40-yard dash slower than I did in high school, 4.99, but has been very good at training camp. And Kenny McIntosh, who was a kind of an under-the-radar guy through the summer, when, when we had that moment when Charbonnet and Ken Walker were both hurt, well, then Kenny McIntosh got hurt too. Which of these guys are you more interested in rostering, John? Uh, it's Kenny McIntosh. <laughs> like yeah. the that's just the position that is more likely to go deeper down in the NFL roster. Like, so I'm gonna take I'll I'll gamble on McIntosh. Obviously, there's some impressive people in front of both of these players, but uh McIntosh is the one that just has the more likely pathway due to injury. Yeah, he also has an interesting receiving profile just from his collegiate days. So I'm, I'm definitely going McIntosh as well. Yeah, I think it's it's possible, and this is a worst case scenario probably for us as people who analyze and fantasy managers. But it's possible that right now DJ Dallas is locked into that third down role, and that we're going to see Zach Charbonnet and Ken Walker kind of split the early down stuff. And if that all that means is all McIntosh has to do is beat out Dallas to have a role, well, he might be able to do that in the first half of this year if he's actually as good as people think that he is. So I, I agree. I I would go McIntosh over him but uh but i'm not super i'm not as excited about him as i am some of these running backs i've got four running backs here who surprisingly high on their team's projected depth charts after the camp we're heading into week one we got a report uh yesterday or the day before that sean tucker is actually the rb2 in tampa behind only rashad white now Maybe you don't think beating out Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds is that impressive, but <laughs> I think where Tucker so much of concern about him was the health stuff. Dan, do you see a path to where he could just be better than Rashad White? Hundred percent, Heath. And I look at both of my evaluations of them coming out of college, and I have a much higher evaluation on Sean Tucker as a runner than I do Rashad White. I I, I don't know if obviously anyone who listened to me this offseason knows I'm very low on White. I always felt like he was a poor runner in college. Didn't really see the holes well. Didn't process well. Bounced everything outside. Obviously had like a product productive rookie fantasy season, mostly in my opinion because Tom Brady was his quarterback. It's really how I feel about White. He does have some interesting traits, like he has he had the explosive traits. He he had some speed but sean tucker was an actual really good running back at the collegiate level he runs low with great pad level he's he's strong through the uh, point of contact and he's super fast the issue was the injury situation and that's what dropped him out of the draft some people thought he may never play in the nfl but for our from our perspective at this point given like how far he's risen up the depth chart we can put that all behind us for now like there similar things have happened in the past like i'm blanking on his name but the chiefs uh guard who's one of the best guards in the nfl right now almost fell out of the entire draft he was picked in the sixth round heath you might be able trey to smith yeah trey smith because of a medical issue and then what do we know right now he's one of the best guards in the nfl the chiefs got him for a sixth round pick so i just think we put too we maybe put too much onus on that with sean tucker and at this point i'm putting it behind me and i'm looking at him as by far and away the best player in this group of four and someone who i have rostered in a lot of spots as well yeah he, he's somebody that's it's hard to even call him honestly a sleeper at this point because he was yeah. probably drafted. He should have been drafted already in your rookie drafts. He should not be available on any waiver wire out there. Do, are you willing to give up a second round pick for him, John? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm willing to give up a whole bunch. Like if I have five thirds and yeah. seven fourths, take all of those. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. But just like we talked about with the Colts running backs, if there is a week or two early on of production and I am struggling because nobody's going to give me their old running back for a first, we'll see. <laughs> like, uh, I, I have to see it. I have to see him on the field. I have to see him produce. If it does it and I'm a little bit desperate at running back, a second is probably – it's an overpay, but it's an overpay that I will eventually be willing to do. He's still young. He's got a future. He's, he's not on his last season – so I'm not just trying to rent a player. There's a little bit of potential upside. I like to use a second round pick more for just a one year rental and a throwaway. Um, he's not quite to the level of production for that, but he's got a little bit of value for the future where maybe I can get a second back for him at some point. It is funny to think about like the way that we talk about these guys and the way that we talk about draft picks. Um, and he's probably not a sleeper anymore. But also, I'm not giving up more than a third round no. pick for him. 
<laughs> no, you know, those two things make perfect sense to get anybody yeah. else given a second form yet. Uh, no, we've got, we've got three more okay. running backs. And I, I do think you're right, Dan, like there's a, there's a gap between Tucker and the rest of these guys. Uh, but there's a little reason to get excited about at least one of them. Jaleel McLaughlin. I, why is, I don't know why he's being talked about as the new Darren Sproles, um, like repeatedly by different places, I guess, because he's small and quick. But the, the most surprising thing to me was they only kept three running backs on the active roster. And he was one of them. That is huge. Especially considering you're behind Samaj P. Ryan, who's 28 years old, and you're behind Javante Williams, who's coming off of an ACL. It's possible he has a role week one. It's not only possible he has a role week one. It's possible that he can be a factor this year in fantasy. We look at all of the past with Sean Payton with the Saints, and Dave Richard did a great article on this uh, back in February, just looking at past Sean Payton's offenses. And the two things that I took away, the two key takeaways here are, one, they're insanely productive in fantasy because they are targeted in the passing game more than almost any team's running backs in the NFL. I think it was over 30% through Sean Payton's tenure. And two, they use a lot of them. That's the other thing here. Sean Payton is not a one-back guy. He's not a two-back guy. He'll use three backs if he feels like he has them. And all the talk out of Denver, I was just reading an article before this show because I wanted to catch up a little on Julio, is from you know Sean Payton. Russell Wilson loves him so far, and he's found a you know he f- thinks he's a he's a good talent. And everything I've read is he's going to have a role early in the season. Given Payton's history, I don't see any reason not to expect that Heath. So I do think he's he's definitely the most intriguing of the next uh, three. That's what I was going to ask, John. Like I, I said, there was there's a big gap between Tucker and the rest of these guys. Is there a, a tier two here, or or, or the other two guys going to have a chance? No, for sure, tier two, and it is McLaughlin. Like he is, he's again. We're we're talking really low here, <laughs> but even down here, when you get to be a degenerate, like you start to differentiate because <laughs> you have to. Um, I would give the next two that we're talking about plus a third. <laughs> like, hey, there's three dart throws for you, and I want this one dart throw. Like that to me is how it differentiates a tier. I would give all three of these guys that we're you know Jinley McLaughlin plus the next two and a third for Tucker. Like I will give you all the other ones. The only one that I want a shot at this time. So that's how I differentiate the tiers in my mind. Right. Uh, the, the next two, they're a tier below these ones, and they're. Uh, they're interchangeable to me john i've never heard the term degenerate used dynasty <laughs> in this in this context dynasty degenerate and i absolutely love it and will be stealing and using that for the rest of my lifetime my, nobody my, should my, even know a lot of these players names yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so good dynasty degenerate and when you get deep into the court you're like well this is the fourth running back on the broncos but now he's the third running back and, and they, he's only got two in front of him yeah there's a good chance people are going to have to know his name. Like at one point yeah. he's going to have a DFS week this year, this year yep. where he'll be the, he'll be the free spot. You know, he'll be that whatever, 3,500, $4,000 running back that somebody just slots in because somebody else got hurt. Like he's got that probably one week. There's a good chance at that, that one week for him. You know, I was really hoping <laughs> when we started covering Dynasty, what it was at four or five years ago now, when we started this podcast, that we could kind of build a community. And and that's what we're doing. And you know how I know that is that in the chat now, it's just every time I say anyone's name, there's a response. That's not how you say that name. Yeah. So I'm just going to have anxiety, <laughs> especially as we move further down this list. At least one name I've never said out loud. Um and so I appreciate you guys. Thank you. This is how friends treat each other. Just relentlessly make fun of each other for their flaws. We've got two more running backs, Elijah Dotson, Amari Di Mercado. Di Mercado. Oh, I was going to go Day Mercado. I don't know. Day Mercado. I was going to go Day. Tell me, chat. You know you know how to say it. And I think for for Day Mercado, Di Mercado, <laughs> like being behind 20, I've made the case all summer long for Keontae Ingram. And the fact that Arizona was just adding nothing else behind James Conner and Conner's old and he's had a ton of injuries. But generally speaking, when I make that case, someone reminds me that Keontae Ingram's not actually any good, <laughs> which may also be true. But the, the fact that, again, I think another team that only carrying three running backs and one of them is player to be named later, Amari DiMercato. Are you interested in rostering him just for the sake of, man, it might turn out that he's getting 15 touches in three weeks? Yeah. I mean, what what my level of interest is, oh, okay, he's there and I can just pick him up. Like, 
or I, I put in a $0 bid for him and he ended up on my roster. Like that's fine. Uh, so yes, I'm, I'm interested at that level where the investment is zero. Yeah. I mean, I'm with John on this. I need a dead roster spot to be interested in these two players personally. Uh, right. And and let me tell you, um, in our YOLO Dynasty League, you have about seven of them. Right? <laughs> so, like, Mr. I don't need all these terrible draft picks. You could just drop six of the players who have retired and are no longer in the NFL. And let me make this clear, by the way, for those who don't know, I just want everyone to know I inherited that crappy team. It was <laughs> god awful, that roster that I inherited. So let me just make that. And clear. I'm trying to help. You are trying to help, Heath, but let's just let's. Well, I'll take a look. I'll reevaluate after. I didn't like. So we did, we did not we did not give Elijah Dotson any love at all. The yeah. only reason that I brought him up, and I know it's like really crowded. The Chargers might have five running backs, um, but for the most part, everybody on that team at running back behind Austin Eckler, every time they've gotten an opportunity, has fallen flat on their face. I mean, they they just have competition after competition. They bring in a new guy every year. But it was supposed to be Isaiah Spiller. It was supposed to be who was was fighting that fought off Justin Jackson fought off Joshua Kelly for two years. Um, like I it's Kelly right now is the number two behind Eckler, another older back, but I don't have any confidence that he's gonna hold anybody off if he gets that opportunity. Yeah, I'm just gonna bank on it being Austin Eckler. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if it's and if it's not Austin Eckler, it's nothing but passing, and they just don't use a running game at all. I think I did to Dan what the chat was doing to me. I, I can see Dan, and Dan has gone to the – I'm just watching through his eyes. He's gone to the Yoli. He's looking at his bench. He's trying to figure out who I'm making fun of him for still rostering. No, there's okay. a lot of – there's a lot of – way too many options. Way too many options. And immediately when I immediately when I go to my page, I get the red warning sign that something's wrong with my roster. I got a lot of work to do after the show. <laughs> that is fantastic. So for the last section here, of our dynasty deep dives before we get to trading running backs and we will dive into that very very shortly rank these super flex speculations these are guys who are not starting right now but could be starting at some point this season we've got jacoby Brissett, we've got taylor heineke we've got gardner Minshew, we've got sam darnold john you rank first and then dan you can rank second who what's your order of priority for ranking these four guys in super flex all right so i'm gonna go heineke first uh, it seems like of the four, the most likely to have a chance at, at the job. Then Brissett second. I think he's kind of a combination of maybe he gets a chance because how has bad production, but Brissett's also been somewhat decently passable. Right. We'll call it uh, in the past. The next two, it is all about opportunity. I don't think Gardner Minshew has any opportunity unless there's an injury. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if Richardson is bad, I would expect them to stick with him and just let him play through the bad. So he is last on the list, and that makes Darnold the third on the list. Look, Purdy is a great story. Um, there's definitely a chance that it doesn't work out early and they look to change it up because they have a small window. Like, they have to produce this year in San Francisco. And if Purdy isn't getting it done... I would actually expect him to get a quick hook. I just don't have a lot of confidence in Darnold. So it'd be really cool if they had like some young athletic quarterback there that they could have slow. Oh, no, that's never mind. <laughs> oh, long live Trey Lance. Oh, well. I, I have a different, a little bit of a different opinion here. I have a tier one and a tier two. And top of my tier one is actually Sam Darnold. I, for those who listen to me on any FFT, you know my feelings on Jimmy Garoppolo, one of the worst actual quarterbacks in the NFL, completely buoyed up by Kyle Shanahan. And you just hit your back foot and throw to your first read, and it's open half the time based on the scheme. And so I think Sam Darnold could actually run that offense really well because he has some traits that Jimmy Garoppolo never had. And quite frankly, that Brock Purdy doesn't have from an arm talent standpoint, from a mobility standpoint. I also think we're not maybe not giving enough credit to Brock Purdy coming off this surgery and we're all just like, oh, it's fine. Everything's going to be great. But there's a chance that he could have another issue with that injury in season or that the arm talent it, if that, that the injury affects his arm talent and they can't get everything done in the passing game that they want to. And they could turn to Sam Darnold sooner than we expect, as John mentioned. But I do have faith that Darnold could run that Shanahan system. Quite frankly, I think almost anyone capable with arm talent can run that Shanahan system. Except for Trey Lance. Except, Except for Trey Lance, Lance. <laughs> because he didn't feel that way, and that's understandable. But 
you know, Sam Darnold had some moments last year on a really bad Carolina team with a really bad offensive coordinator in, in Ben McAdoo. I think he was one of the worst in the NFL. Just no scheme went into that offense at all. And there's going to be all scheme going into the Shannon offense. So I love Darnold. I got sniped on him yesterday in my startup. I really wanted him. But two for me would be Taylor Heineke. I, I have a prediction this year that I've stuck with all year that at some point Taylor Heineke will start games for Atlanta and they will be at least 500 in those games and, pro and probably over 500. Taylor Heineke wins football games. Taylor Heineke is not the best quarterback in the NFL, but one thing he does better than most, or not better, but does more than most quarterbacks, I would say more than like 75% of quarterbacks, is challenge tight window throws up the seam. And that's something most quarterbacks are just scared to do for a variety of reasons. They don't want to turn the ball over. He doesn't care about that. And he doesn't even really have the arm talent to try those throws, but he does. And in today's rules of the NFL, it's like a cheat code in my mind because the safeties really can't hit those seam, those receivers running over the seam without worrying about getting a penalty. And so I like Taylor Heineke if he starts some games for Atlanta. And then after those two, I don't have much interest and Jacoby Brissett. I think Sam Howell will start the entire season. And I also think Anthony Richardson will start the entire season. There's just too much like you can you can turn away from a Brock Purdy type, in my opinion. He's a seventh round quarterback. You can turn away from a Desmond Ritter type, but I just don't think there's any reason to turn away from Sam Howell given what he's shown in the preseason. And Anthony Richardson, I think there's zero percent chance he doesn't start unless unless he's injured uh all the games. And that's the that's the difficulty of that because I think Gardner Minshew is the best quarterback on this list. And I think he would probably be second if all four were suddenly starters for me in the rankings. And Richardson's probably more likely to get hurt than the other guys because he's going to run it four million times. But I agree with you. If I was ranking like I, I, I put Darnold at the top of the list as well. And this is my hot take. And I apologize to all the people who love Brock Purdy. Uh oh. But if I had to coach a game for my life tomorrow, I'd start Sam Darnold over Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy was extremely fortunate in the second half of last year, and I think it's going to blow up. But I've been wrong about lots of things before, so hopefully I'm wrong about that too for Brock Purdy. Is there any – I saw Aiden O'Connell in the chat. I saw DTR in the chat. Like, Is there anybody you guys do want to speculate on not on this list that might actually be available on the waiver wire? Jake Browning. Ooh. Look, I, I definitely want Burrow back and healthy. Um, but if he ends up, if, if there's a little tweak, anything like that, I mean, that's who the Bengals are going to have to turn to okay. Jake Browning. So a lot of great weapons, not a great quarterback. And it would take something that would be tragic, uh, cause who doesn't love Joe Burrow? Uh, but if it happened, he is on the waiver wire, like in most Superflex leagues, backup quarterbacks should be rostered. He's not. Like he, right. I noticed him on a lot of my waiver wires when I was looking through. I'm going to take Aiden O'Connell. I had the opportunity yep. to watch a lot of Aiden O'Connell at Purdue because of Charlie Jones, their wide receiver, who I love and think is somebody you should roster in all dynasty leagues, by the way. But he is rostered in all leagues. But So maybe somebody you can trade a third-round pick for. I really like Charlie Jones long-term. But Aiden O'Connell had surprisingly good tape at Purdue. Like you'd be, you, If you go back and spend the time to watch a game or two there, you'd be surprised at how on time he is in the passing game, at the ball placement, at all three levels. And I also think that, you know, you know how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo. Not only do I think he's not a good NFL quarterback, I also think he's injury prone. And that the second part is not really debatable. So there is an opportunity for him potentially this year to play in a Josh McDaniel system, a quarterback friendly system, uh, if you can pick it up fast enough. Right. I think O'Connell can. So O'Connell will be the guy for me. I, I like it. I, and I do think he's rostered in a lot of leagues, but certainly not all of them. So go make sure that he's not available. Let's take a short break and then we're going to trade some running backs. Okay, so we are just slightly behind schedule, but I've got uh, four groups of three running backs. John, I'm going to kind of lean on you to tell, like, first off, if somebody should be not in their group, that's fine. That's the guy you definitely want to target, so say that. Or if they shouldn't be the other direction, that's the guy you definitely don't want to buy. But what type of draft pick compensation should we be looking to offer or be looking to receive if we're on either side of trading these running backs is kind of where I'm thinking the first group older running backs who could absolutely be top five running backs this season, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Eckler definitely at the top of this group, but these are the, like the guys who are in that 27, 28 year old range who I think are top 12 running backs this year for sure. How, what, what should you be willing to pay for these guys or receive either one, John? So willing to pay a first, uh, probably would pay like a first and second. These are 
these are the guys that you, you might have to give a little more for. So maybe give them your whole draft and it looks great. And if you're a competitive team, it doesn't matter because they're going to be back half of the first, back half of the second. That's what I would pay for Austin Eckler easily. He is yeah. easily my top choice in this group. Um, Mixon and Chubb, they're probably going to go for a first in plenty of leagues. They will be traded around. If they are not on contending teams, they should end up on contending teams by the end of the season. And they should cost a first. And I don't think you can reasonably expect to get more than a first because at the end of this year, they're going to be worth less than a first pretty quickly. For sure. Dan, we're going to go a little bit older and or less upside with the second group. Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara. You think there's any chance you get any of these guys for less than a first? And are you actually willing to pay a first for them? I think with Aaron Jones and, and Alvin Kamara, you can definitely get less than a first. Um, and I would probably be more likely to make that trade for Aaron Jones. I feel like he still has a little bit more juice left, but I did read an interesting article on Alvin Kamara from the offseason about how he felt like he didn't have, and, and Alvin Kamara to me, his main trait that's always made him special was contact balance. And he thought like that was off last year. So he went to like, he went through hoops to, to, to fix that this off season. So we'll see if that works out. He's obviously at an advanced age, but Henry's the interesting one to me because I think you can probably get him for a second round pick in some leagues. And I think if you're a contending team, you should definitely make that move. I think John, it's at least two seconds for each of these guys, isn't it? Like if, if you and I know you probably the way that you play, if you are not competing, you probably didn't have these guys rostered over the summer anyway. But assuming you did, would you give either of them up for for a, for a pair of seconds? For a pair of seconds, yeah. If I'm not competing, I'm taking two seconds for any of these guys. I I would give two seconds for any of these guys. They are at the more than a second, less than a first range, which comes in at two seconds so would i give a first for any of them maybe derrick henry just because i have bet against derrick henry for several right. years and uh, i finally stopped betting against him and it's way more fun to be on the side yeah. of not betting against him and he's just going to put up points right. uh, it's it, and it to, feels more expensive but to your point especially with these older backs i think it feels better to give up a first for half of season of them because that's two months they didn't get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> now I only yeah. have to count on them staying healthy for two more months instead yep. of four more months. And, and those so, are the most uh, important. You know, by then you know your pick is late, hopefully. Otherwise, you should not be giving up your first for them. But you're not giving your first up for Derrick Henry. You're giving up your first for Derrick Henry and a shot at the title. Like, that's a big difference. Now, three guys that I have in a similar range, I think are, are second round picks. I'm not even sure that some people would give a second for one of them, but Samaj P. Ryan, James Connor, Dalvin Cook. Listen, Connor's upside is, is much higher than the other two, but I also have more concerns about his situation and him being so bad that it's like four games of terribleness. Um, are you giving these guys up for a second, John? Are you, are you looking to add these guys for a second? Is this kind of the range that you target? So this is definitely James Conner is like my biggest target right yeah. now. Uh, if I can get him for a second for my first few weeks, maybe he ends up being my full year. If he can carry me through for four, five, six weeks before I'm willing to give up my first for Derrick Henry, something like that. Uh, that's kind of the route that I will go on contending teams. James Conner is easily the best, the one I want on this list more than the others. Granted, Dalvin Cook, I think actually has, like the highest value upside, but it takes an injury in front of him. But if that happens, Dalvin Cook is the running back one for, for the Jets. And it's a it's a good situation for him. Like, and he could get you more than a second back for sure. Dan, when you're looking at P. Ryan and Cook specifically, like both in very similar situations in that they're new additions to their team. They're with running backs that we think are probably better at this stage of their career but both coming off of an ACL and could be managed early in the year. What type of role do you expect for these two backs early in the year? That's a great question. I think Pirine uh, will probably be in somewhat of a, I don't want to call it a lead role, but a shared lead role there in Denver. And Cook is the interesting one because obviously we've heard they want to bring back, um, I, I'm sorry, Heath. Brees Hall. Yeah, they want to. You forgot back. how to say Brees Hall. It's okay. We, we've had some bad pronunciations today. That's a difficult one. I've been practicing it, so I had that one ready. Playing the second on Brees Hall, who's like one of the best young players in the NFL. <laughs> they want to bring him back a little bit slowly, but I'm not so sure that will be the case. Uh, the question is, will he be as effective? And if not, will they use Dalvin Cook in more of a lead role? I think he has the better chance of being in the lead role, though, Dalvin Cook. 
And I, I, I know I got some some questions in the chat about this. Like I project P. Ryan and Javante Williams very similarly, both for week one and for the entire season. McLaughlin could get in the way on that. Like if Jaleel McLaughlin's actually touching the ball five to ten times a game, then I'm not sure I like either one of them. Um, it's it's a big time problem. Let's go one more group, and these are the guys where it's like you're desperate. You just I'd like a starter for this week. I'm not sure if I'm going to get it any longer than that. Ezekiel Elliott, Zach Moss, Raheem Mostert. Are we st- are we still willing to give up a second round pick on a contender for these guys, Dan? I wouldn't give up a second round pick, but yeah. I would consider multiple thirds, fourth. I'm with John. Once I get into that third and fourth round range, take whatever you want from me. To be honest, I, I I'm good with that when I'm trying to contend. I would consider a second for Mostert. <laughs> um, I like the Dolphins' offense quite a bit. I think it's going to be the best of these three offenses. Look, if you give up a second for Zeke, you are just hoping that you get touchdowns and that's it. Uh, and that's not, that's not a risk I'm willing to really invest in Zach Moss. Now, you're hoping for maybe a few weeks of coverage. Most are right. I, th- I think healthy. Moss and Zeke are both guys who right now, no chance I'm giving up a second, yeah. but let's say we get to week four. Jonathan Taylor is not a Colt anymore. And Zach Moss is averaging 16 touches a game. Well, yeah. then you have to consider it. If we get to week four and Ezekiel Elliott's averaging 12 and a half touches a game, but has four touchdowns in four games. Um, And I like, I fully expect as successful as he was in that role in Dallas. And the fact that this team used Damian Harris in that role until he got hurt. I expect that Zeke is the short yardage guy. um, Barring it's just a a major surprise. Yeah, I I would still be hesitant, but. In four weeks, we know a lot more, and I'm and I know a lot more about where my second round pick is and right. how desperate I am. So, and I think <laughs> it, could get, that, it could get there. That that leads us back to, like John saying, I don't really want to add running backs for another month. Dan, tell us about mm-hmm. your Superflex startup team real quick. All right, you guys are gonna have to grade this and tell me how I did. It's an interesting mix of win now and future, so it usually gets not the best reviews, but we'll see. Three hundred thirty dollars starting budget, super flex, best ball. That's all you need to know. I spent ninety six dollars, the the highest buy on Patrick Mahomes. I got Jonathan Taylor for twenty seven dollars, Travis Kelsey for thirty one dollars. Those are my biggest buys right That's there. Fantastic. You like those two, right? Under yeah. ten, under ten percent for Kelsey is ridiculous and jonathan taylor who i felt like went went a little bit cheap too based on obviously the yeah, but he's a running back true and i don't love ben <laughs> investing in running backs either i'm with you on that you'll see based on the rest of my roster 39 dollars for deshaun watson and 19 dollars for kyler murray going back to what you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier heath i was able to get kyler murray in my opinion super cheap i felt like that was great value and super flex i went a little bit too heavy on alexander madison i got caught in a bidding war there and I got Alexander Madison for $15, which I'm not thrilled about. That's, that's 100%. Not, that's not bad at all. Okay. Yeah, that's super cheap. I mean, like, he's a, he's a starter for this year. That's, yeah. That's pretty good for running back. Okay. Um, but your uh, shot White was nine. Cam Akers was 13. Dobbins was 11. So that's kind of what made me a little down on that. Yeah, buy. you should have bought Dobbins. Of course, I, yeah. He had a different, completely different time of the draft. Dobbins was early and Madison was, was late, the last guy. But... For sure there. And then Amari Cooper, $12 at an interesting time. I got him. Jerry Judy, 10. Keenan Allen, 9. Traylon Burks, 11. Uh, Chris Godwin, 12. Sky Mort, 11. Marquise Brown, 5. Josh Downs, 4. Jacoby Myers, 2. That's my receiver core. Super deep, uh, hopefully, for a super flex league. I got Will Levis for 2 bucks, though I have no belief in him long term. I just felt like 2 bucks was good there. And then I went with a lot of cheap backs uh, to kind of fill out after Madison and Jonathan Taylor. Kendra Miller, 2. Devin A. Chain, four, Roshan Johnson, six, Samaje P. Ryan, five, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Zach Moss, Sean Tucker, and Leonard. It's a lot of running backs. It's a lot of running backs. These are, this was a deep league. I forgot to mention that 28 roster spots. So super deep for a super flex, um, uh, you know, league. And then tight ends, I'm kind of screwed after Kelsey because everyone was hot on these late tight ends. So I got Irv Smith and Jelani Woods as my only other two tight ends after Kelsey. So that will be a position. You don't need another. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's the hope there. So, so overall, what's, what's the grade there? I like it. I, I mean, that to me, that's <laughs> you spent on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. That's a great stack to have you. And especially in best ball when you don't know what you're, else you're going to, you can't really predict every position every week. You know, those two are locked in for really good scoring every single week. You built around them and wide receivers 
and kind of skimped on running back. I mean, that's, that is, that's my dream of how you do an auction. So, you know, and you got enough running backs that there, there's a ton of them. It's best ball. That's what makes it great. You don't have to pick which one. All you have to do is hope that one or two of them find the end zone each week and bam, they're in your starting lineup. You're set. I, I like it a lot. Remind me who the wide receivers were again. Okay, let me run through the receivers again. It's no big name receiver, all uh, you know, middle in town. So Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, Sky Moore. Those are my top five. Then Traylon Burks, Marquise Brown, Josh Downs, and Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I think I think that's you, you did a very nice job. I would probably be thinking about um sky Moore and jonathan taylor and a couple other young guys as let's go just win the league this year let's let's send them off to somewhere to somebody okay. who's more excited about the future but i i think like you got mahomes you've got kelsey you've got all those running backs you're clearly in win now mode let's just make sure we win now i think is where i would proceed from that point forward but that again i'm the guy who kind of emphasizes one or the other I want to emphasize how much I thank you guys. Well, great show today. Good job on the deep dives. Good job on the pronunciations. It's always a pleasure to have you on, John. Tell people where they can find your work. At John Bosch FF, you can find any everything I do on Twitter. Most of this stuff is now, now Fantasy Cares related. I do still do some shows on the Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast feed, Dynasty Wall Street, and Dynasty Time Machine. Time Machine more an in-season show uh, when there's real active trading, so... We'll be getting started back up here, and uh, we'll continue doing Dynasty Wall Street as well. Thank you, John. Thank you, Dan. Go make a counter offer that the John Robinson offer. It's fantastic. Thank you to everybody who was here in the chat. We will talk to you next Tuesday.